Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to MBR, or as we like to call it around here, Nothing But Rants, the show where I find topics that I'm oddly passionate about, and I pontificate upon them. These are not hot takes, but rather takes that I'm hot about. Shut up and grab some tape. Damn, uh, I'm blanking on him now. Well, he's a pretty good rapper. I have like, there's like SRT. Yeah. Um, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome in on a Thursday evening. Hey, consistency. It's a core trait around this program. Um, and as long as you're consistent, right? As long as you're consistent with your actions, your thoughts, your behaviors, we can predict your actions, thoughts, and behaviors. And thus, we are unbothered by your thoughts, predictions, and behaviors, actions, and behaviors, right? I appreciate Jim Harbaugh's consistency. I really do. Or at least in regards to today's topics, which is deviant behavior. That is our topic today. Deviant behavior. We have a tremendous track record at this point with Jim Harbaugh and his deviant behavior. Sure, it was a cheeseburger at first, okay? Then it was lying to the NCAA about uh, NCAA's investigation committee. Then it was sarcastically self-imposing his four-game ban over two years, avoiding major opponents. Then it was sarcastically giving head coaching titles to everybody on your staff and everybody in your bloodline. Look, all of those deviant behaviors that we just listed, honestly, I found most of them funny. I found most of them quite hysterical. Most of them made the NCAA the butt of jokes, and guess what? Mm, guess what? We are here for all of that on this here channel. All of those childish, devious behaviors, we found those funny. Okay, there's bending the rules, and there's being petty, and the NCAA, when they call you out about it being even more petty, we're okay with that. I'm fine with that, right? Um, and then there's cheating, okay? Which, if what was reported today by Ross Dellinger and Yahoo Sports, if any of it, or if most of it, or if some of it pertains or actually ends up being true, I think that's what happened today. I think what Michigan was accused of today in the news was cheating. And I want to put a disclaimer out here for everybody that's listening to this, and particularly for the people who are on social media today. I think the industry is filled, and I mean filled, and it's, it's at a point now, at a point it's never been in this industry of college football opinion giving. I think there are people in this industry who work extremely hard. They know this game in and out. They care about this game. They love this game of football. But if you read today's headlines and quote tweeted today's headlines with quote something along the lines of stealing signs isn't cheating. Well, I'm just here to tell you, you didn't read the reporting. You didn't actually go in and read the report from Ross Dellinger. You merely just read that it was sign stealing and sign stealing on the basis of sign stealing. Yes, is not cheating. I'm with you on that, but that is not what happened here. Okay, look, I'm here. I'm all here for studying all 22 copies. I'm all here for studying TV copies. I'm all here for maybe even spending the bye week and having a couple of guys dress up in some non-affiliated shirts and go maybe do a little bit of spying, some espionage. I'm all here for some minor getting behind the lines, doing a little bit of in-between-the-lines, outside-of-lines coloring, maybe even advanced scouting. I'm all here for advanced scouting. But that's not what's being accused uh, that's not what Michigan's being accused of today. 
If you did read the reporting, which I did, and I'm going to do some of it today for you on today's channel, if you actually read the article from Ross Dellinger and Yahoo Sports, you would have found out that there was far more devious behavior than just basic sign stealing that is being accused of right now. I'm going to read you some of this right here. Quote, at issue, according to sources, is whether Michigan used unnamed individuals to attend games of both scheduled opponents and possible college football playoff opponents in an effort to gather information on the signs they use to call both offensive and defensive plays. Okay? Sign stealing. That's what it sounds like, right? Okay, yeah, it is. Except it's sign stealing to the 10,000th degree. It's studying, again, per reports, future college football playoff opponents. That means out-of-conference opponents. That means guys that they may never even play. He continues in this report and this part of the report, again, which was available for everyone to read before they gave opinions today. If you read this portion of the report, all the people on my timeline talking about out here, oh, sign stealing ain't cheating. Well, yeah, it ain't, but it kind of is. Listen to this. Two of Michigan's opponents this year told Yahoo Sports they became aware of Michigan, knew their play signs. And here's the part, quote, sign stealing does not violate NCAA rules unless the team uses in-game electronic equipment to relay the information to players on the field amongst coaches. Basically, what I just told you, if your players are on the field looking at the opposition signals and then stealing the information, you are cheating. If you are using the guys in the box to study the opposition signals, use your headsets, call down to the sideline, get the call put in, relay it to your defense. You've just used electronic measures to relay the information that you stole. You have just cheated, not by the unwritten rules, by the written rules. So here's what I'm telling you. If I go back and watch that tape now, and I don't see all 11 players or a bunch of, or a few of Michigan players staring at Rutgers sideline, staring at uh, Michigan State style, staring at the opposition sideline, and they are looking at their own sideline, and they are indeed guilty of stealing signs, then guess what? They have insto facto cheated by the NCAA laws, okay? By the way, I've been around football for a long time, and I've been an offensive-based studier, okay? I've been an offensive player. I worked as an offensive analyst and a coach. I have studied the game mostly as an offensive-minded individual. So maybe I'm naive to this idea of stealing signs and stealing information from other opponents. But I saw a bunch of people on my timeline today talking about, oh, this is one of those unwritten rules in football. Since when? I've never heard of unwritten rules in football. That's not the sport I play. That's not the sport I play. We play by the law, by the book. All right, yeah, there is some competitive advantage seeking every once in a while, but I've never heard of advanced scouting to the rate of this to the advanced scouting rate of, yeah, we're going to go out and scout opponents way down our road and not just go watch them play. We're going to only look at the signs of our opponent and we're going to use that as a competitive advantage. And again, for those of you who are in the comments or in the mentions or on the internet today defending this type of sign stealing as if it's some portion of the game of football that's been around forever, you're wrong. Okay, you're wrong. You know how I know? Because Greg Schiano was a victim of this type of uh, competitive advantage seeking 
Greg Schiano has been coaching the defensive side of the football since 1990. Since four years before I was daggum born, Greg Schiano been out here coaching defense. He's coached it so well that he reached the peak of the sport and was a head coach on the NFL level. And he's never seen stuff like this. So much so that he was probably, I would imagine, one of the two teams that snitched on Michigan because of this sound that I'm about to play you today from halftime of their game against Michigan this season. Listen to this. Coach, four penalties for your team in the first half. Some that cost you. How do you clean that up in the second half? Well, there's some stuff going on out there, so we just got to slow it down a little bit. There's some things going on that aren't right as well, so we'll talk about how to handle it. This Michigan defense keeping Gavin Wimsett in this passing game in check. How do you adjust? Well, just got to keep playing. You know, in the game, we just got to keep playing. All right, thanks, Coach. There's some things going on out there that we can't control, some things that aren't necessarily right. Again, I'm all here for sign stealing. I'm all here for watching TV copies and, and, and getting a, a, a play check or whatever. But this type of, this is, this is cheating. I, I don't know how to go about anything other than saying that this is cheating. And you know how I know it's cheating? They're not even allowed to do the advanced scouting. So even if they weren't videotaping signals, even if they weren't stealing signals, they were out here advanced scouting going out to future opponents way on down the line, which by the letter of the NCAA law, is not allowed okay so whether or not they videotaped which would be a criminal criminal football offense okay uh i think it's beside the point to me to me it's yeah they're, they're, this is deviant behavior okay and, and here's the deal people are going to get into the the, the everybody kind of cheats deal and ever when you're cheating off the field and recruiting you are not directly impacting the outcome of the game on saturday when we begin to start to sanctify that Guys, we're, we're, we're going way beyond where we're supposed to be, okay? That is point shaving. That is, that is sacrificing the sanctity of the sport, okay? Not paying a, a couple of uh, hundred grand to a football player to get his commitment for him to make a play on a field two or three years later. That, that's two totally different types of cheating, and I hope you guys can see that, that outcomes on Saturday are directly impacted when we're out here completely stealing signs. The thing I don't really get about this is what's the difference between this? From what I understand, what's the difference between this and what the Astros did a couple of years ago? Uh, well, to me, that's not what I was much. about to say. Is to me, not much. Because from what I remember, the Astros got – they still get dragged on social media. Oh, yeah. Media Everybody will forever say they have an asterisk by it. And I feel like there's a lot more people coming to Jim Harbaugh's defense on this. And this is what I was about to say is that it's it kind of makes me think about baseball, how like if a pitcher is – tipping off his pitches or like you're catching signs from your runner on second base and he's letting you know what's about to come. That's fine. Like, of course, that is known in baseball. That and, gives you an advantage. And the equivalent of that in football to me would be we watch the All-22, we watch the coaches copy or we watch TV copy or whatever, or midway through the second quarter, we noticed they kept doing this when they were running stutter goes or yes. whatever. That is the equivalent of that. What we're talking about is very akin to the Astros where, no, 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 they got a video camera out in center field zoomed in on the catcher's signals and they're hitting trash cans for off-speed pitches. And they were even... That's totally different. They were even accused of having wires taped on them yeah. that would, like, vibrate and let them know what's about to come. So, yes, very akin to what they're doing. So, yeah, I, I don't understand why everyone's coming to Jim Harwell's defense for this one. Because, again, they, they didn't read the story. Yes. The, the headline today was, Jim Harbaugh accused of sign-stealing. Michigan accused of sign stealing. Apparently, most people in the football world are okay with that. They don't claim it to be cheating. Well, to me, it is cheating. To me, when we're going out multiple weeks in advance to take a look at our opponents and only study their signals, 
it's cheating. And by the way, if we have to go about it with extra sneaky cause, we're cheating. We're cheating. When we have to go out to extra games and buy tickets and we're not staff members, we're kind of going through these back channels, we're cheating. We are working beyond the rules to gain a competitive advantage. That is the definition of cheating, okay? And I don't, I'm not one for being out here going, oh, unwritten rules. That is horse shit. I've never heard of an unwritten rule in football a day in my life. Not once, okay? If you're doing stuff like this, if you're videotaping, if you're going out, doing advanced scouting multiple weeks in advance, you're cheating, period, point blank. There's no, there's no gray area here for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head of if you just went if you went and read the article and you read everything in its full capacity, then you would understand what the full situation is. And it goes beyond this, even just beyond the sign stealing and whatnot. But yeah, just the headline of Jim Harbaugh stealing signs to people, it's easy to say, like, oh, who cares? And look, dude, like, I mean, cheating so we got some comments that are out here talking about cheating is cheating, everybody cheats. That's fine. That's fine. The stupid ones get caught. Just like everybody watches their off season workouts. Jim Harbaugh's the only one stupid enough to get caught with his Zoom watching his off-season workouts. Again, bet you didn't read the report because that might be news to you listening to today's show. Wait, what? He was watching off-season workouts on Zoom? Yeah, and the NCAAs also got that in the allegation as well. They're investigating him for improper use of, uh, of observing his program during the off-season. So, again, man, like, if we're going to be cheating and everybody's cheating, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, that's fine. But you still got to get criticism for being a bad cheater, which is very clearly what is going on here. Um, and that, that sound from Shiano to me, that, that's, 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 a, that's a lifer, man. That's a lifelong football coach. That is a guy whose dad, I would imagine, coach, who has been in this game for 30, 35 years, 40 years. He's given his life to the game of football. He sounded extremely hurt in that sound. Play that sound one more time, because listen to this. There's some stuff going on right now that is not okay. Listen to this. Coach, four penalties for your team in the first half. Some that cost you. How do you clean that up in the second half? Well, there's some stuff going on out there, so we just got to slow it down a little bit. There's some things going on that aren't right as well, so we'll talk about how to handle it. This Michigan defense keeping Gavin Wimsett in this passing game in check. How do you adjust? Well, just got to keep playing. You know, in the game, we just got to keep playing. At the end of the game, you got to just keep playing. But when the other guys know what you're doing, it's kind of hard to do. Again, two opponents. I would assume Rutgers is one of those, right? Mm-hmm. Got With him, be. with him being willing be. to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, got So, hey, good on Greg Schiano, man. Like, if you feel like you've been cheated out here, go ahead and let that thing rip. Does this make us think – well, we don't know if it to be true. But we know at least two of these games, they had all of the signals. Does this make us think any less of, of, of a football team like Michigan? Maybe. At least what they're doing defensively. Yeah, a little bit. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do from here on out. Yeah. Man, they were cheating out here like this with, with Harbaugh on the sidelines. That's wild. Or, or, or you know, on, on the sidelines. Maybe it was Harbaugh going to the games, like, bro. At home. Maybe it was Harbaugh going to the games. You think so? Could have been him. I mean, yeah, he had four weeks off. Three. You know what? Three maybe it three. was him. And maybe that's why they planted all these alibis of like, oh, here's Jim Harbaugh running the chains at a youth football game today yeah. on Saturday. Here's Jim Harbaugh cooking a bunch of hamburgers and yeah. hot dogs for the local neighborhood. Providing some alibis, some false alibis. Here's Jim Harbaugh planting some uh, flowers in his backyard garden for his wife. Yeah. Fugazi. Do we, yeah. do we come up with a conspiracy? No, nah, I, I mean, again, all jokes aside, th- this is bordering it. Like the Venable, Venables has been accused of this for years. This idea that he's out here stealing signals. But from my understanding, that's all been TV copy. That's all been all 22 stuff. That's all been him just spending the time to study it. Yeah. If you're out here grinding it out and studying it, I'm all good for it. 
But if you're out here sending guys to uh, future opponents' games with direct, uh, you know, d- instructions to take signs, you're a cheater. Mm-hmm. That's what you are. You're a cheater. Right? Oh, for sure. All pumpkin right. eater. So we're all on <laughs> cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. Hey, welcome into tonight's show. We got a loaded one for you. We're going to talk about who has to win on Saturday. Uh, we got some good stuff here. We got unless it doesn't happen. We got final predictions on a bunch of really good football games. Lincoln Riley back in the news um, along with his quarterback, Caleb Williams. Didn't love the soundbite today about everybody wants to be in these size 12 and a half, the lion, the sheep, yeah. the, the stuff like that. Um, you know, if your shit really doesn't stink, if you really are the best quarterback we've ever seen, that's fine. But, oh, like, man, wow. you don't have to make me not like you. I want to like you. I want to like you. But when we're wearing uh, monk orange jumpsuits, okay, and when we're out here talking about uh, you want to be in my 12 and a halfs and lions and the sheeps and the bears and the tigers and the omas, um, man, didn't love it. No, Didn't especially because, like, if you are that good and, like, everybody already is, knows in a <laughs> Why are you shitty and grinning? What, what's going Bro, on? Bro, you got to chill with all the shit references after last episode. My bad. <laughs> but, yeah, like, everybody already thinks you're really talented. And, like you said, he doesn't have to come out here and say things like that. We already know. Yeah. Like, everybody is already saying, yeah, that guy should be the first overall pick right now in the NFL draft this next year. That guy is the best quarterback at the college level. It's like, we, we don't have to come on here – and let everybody know that, oh, yeah, I think that about myself, too. That was, his, that was to me, that was him getting the last word in. Yeah, yeah. that's what it felt that's, like. That's what it was. All right, let's start tonight with uh, who has to win on Saturday, and then we will get into final predictions, and then we will close the show with unless it doesn't happen. And after all of that, if there's still room left, we'll shit on Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley. Sound good? Will we look for quarters after we do it? Maybe. Um, here we go. Who has to win on Saturday, boys? I'll open it up with you guys. Arkansas against Mississippi State. Yeah, Sam Pittman's got to win on Saturday. Yeah, he was one team. of mine as well. Because that's Mississippi State is one of those opponents where you know you can win this football game, and I feel like you should win this football game. Six-and-a-half-point favorite yeah. Yeah. this weekend. I thought it was way too much. I was telling you about it pre-show. Um, I don't know if Arkansas can beat anybody by a full score this year. Dang. In the SEC? Like, Did, do they play Vandy? No. No, they don't play Vandy, I don't Probably think. not. So, I, yeah, Arkansas is certainly a must-win this weekend against a 3-3 three and three Mississippi State team as a 2-4 and four Arkansas team. You drop to 2-5 and five with uh, what's left still on their schedule, yeah. and you and True Blay, oh, yeah. um, Michael True Blay. I think he's probably already in a little bit of trouble, isn't he? Seems I like think, it. I think his welcome is soured. Mm. Like, when, like, when he first got there and they started winning, it was like, oh, my God, Sam Pittman, he's our guy. He is Arkansas football. Now it's kind of like, well, he's two and four. And and here's how you know that it is. It's kind of soured a little bit. It's like every season, no matter what the state of Arkansas football program has been over the past few years, like regardless if they have a winning, losing record at the time or a winning record, we saw clips of Sam Pittman in the locker room after games and stuff mm. like that. SEC Network was mm. pumping the Sam Pittman music for us. They were letting us know what was going on at Arkansas. We ain't seeing much of that this year. I think another way to know when you're in trouble is when you start getting criticized for the things that people loved at first. Like the reports of, oh, you know, Sam Pittman goes to concerts in the summer and things like that. I was like, oh, he's such a down-to-earth guy. Big Garth Brooks fan. Yeah, mm-hmm. big, he's such a family guy, all those things. Now it's like, well, we're two and four. Why is he going to concerts in the summer? This is ridiculous. Yeah. So things like that. When you start getting criticized for what they loved initially, that's when you're in the, you have a big problem. So Sam Pittman is one of two SEC football coaches that didn't have a coordinating background. Do you know the other? 
Oh, um, Shane Beamer. It's, uh, Shane, Shane Beamer. Beamer. But he it was a, he was a uh, special He's teams. Fat, I mean, we're he? not. I'm not doing that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, and now I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and do this right now. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry at all. I asked Shane Beamer at SEC Media Days, how does it negatively impact, or what, I didn't even ask it that way. I said, what did you have to overcome, okay, as a person who has never been an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator, what have you had to overcome to become a head football coach? Because I know there are a litany of, of things you have to overcome, okay? One of which is like this right here, for example. Uh, Georgia pays their offensive coordinator almost $2 million. Okay, they pay their defensive coordinator almost $2 million. Guess what? It's kind of like that in every Power 5 football program. The coordinators, offense and defenses, make a lot of money. You know who doesn't make near as much money as them? The special teams coordinator. You know why? Because they don't play near as many snaps, near as many meaningful snaps. Okay? It's not as impactful on the game of football. Breaking news. Okay, I know that's going to hurt a lot of people's feelings. I know there are three phases to the football game, Coach Dallas. I know you beat it in my head growing up. I understand offense, defense, special teams. You got to win two out of the three. Nah, nah. I think if you win one of those way more, if you win the offensive side of the football way more than any other unit, guess what? You score more points than them. You win. If you win the defensive side of the football way more than anybody else, guess what? You win. You know how I know Iowa exists. Okay, so this idea that, oh, I wasn't an offensive coordinator, I wasn't a defensive coordinator, that's okay because I stood up in front of the whole team and coached special teams, that's bullshit. It's bullshit. That's what it is. It's just, it's fugazi. And I understand I asked him at an SEC media day, so he's not going to give me the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is what's going on at Arkansas right now. It's what's going on at South Carolina. When one of your units is bad, if you don't have a background in that unit, if you're not an exceptional coach in that unit yourself, then that unit can't immediately get better without going out and hiring a new face. And you can't do that in the middle of the season. So guess what? Arkansas made the bad or, or a bad offensive coordinator hire. It's clear as day. They are stagnant offensively. You know who can't walk into the room and fix everything magically? The offensive line coach who's never coached coordinating, who's never coordinated on the offensive level, on, on a power five level. So, yeah, there are things you have to overcome. What, what are you laughing at? I, I just, I kind of wish we could clip you doing that and talking about Shane Beamer and showing, show you from the past that clip. It's not, you should be like, what the hell happened during the season? Because Brooks from SEC Media Days to Brooks now are two different people. Two different Shane people. Beamer. You know what's happened? Feed for free. Uh, yeah. 90 minutes of fuck around time with a... Oh, no. Dang it. Just put a little strike right there. Um, 90 minutes of mess around time <laughs> with Brandon Marcello, giving the feet for free, kicking a bench and breaking your foot, crying after wins, crying after losses, ups and downs, just all kinds of craziness. Uh, going out instead of accepting responsibility for not being able to control your emotions, admitting that you can't control your emotions because, quote, you just care. Yeah, like that, that's not, that's not an answer. That is not an acceptable answer for the CEO of an organization. Think about this. If a CEO of Apple tomorrow broke his fist, punching a hole through a wall, he can't just stand up in front of the media and go, well, it's just because I care and not expect backlash from that. That is goofy. And you're going to say, well, he's a football coach. Yeah, he's a football coach. He's a football coach that makes three and a half million dollars a year. Yeah, as soon as he was – the thing where he was like, I did it because I cared. I was like, get out of here with that, man. It's, that just sounds oh, – I cringed when I read that. I, I was just not here for that whatsoever. And he got ahead of the st – he steered it too. 
It was his opening. It was his opening comments. Yeah. I broke my foot kicking something after the game, and before you run to social media and talk about, oh, the head coach is can't control his poise, not poised, can't control his emotions. He's acting out, of, and then he stopped. He said, "No, I just care." No, I just care. Nah, coach, I didn't hit the blitz on, on Saturday like you wanted to be, but I was trying. I just tried. I just tried. It wasn't good enough. I mean, it's just enough. Enough. I'm, I'm I mean, he's also that. implying that if you're not breaking your foot after a loss, you don't, you don't care. care. Yeah. If you're not out here acting crazy, you don't care. If you're not physically harming yourself. Um, right. Shane Beamer's got to win Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Shane Beamer's got to win sure. Saturday. For sure. They play uh, Missouri. Missouri on the road, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not looking great. For the outcomes of that, they're also two and four, aren't they? Yes. Yes, they are also two and four, and they are a football team that plays way too much man coverage to not believe they're not about to give up 400 yards to Brady Cook and Luther Burden. Mm. There it happens. Hey, yeah. you heard it here first. Okay, I don't even have to fade this one. It's gonna happen. Brady Cook and Luther Burden are gonna torch South Carolina on Saturday. Uh oh. Yeah, you've got two of my five down so far. You want me to give you another one? No, I got another one. Go ahead. Ryan Day has to go at least one and one, at least one and one in Penn State, uh, Michigan. Absolutely. At least one and one to it just keep the seat mild. If he loses to Michigan again this year, it's still hot. People are still going to be pissed off, particularly if he doesn't make a bowl, right? Oh, you wasted Marvin Harrison and Ibuka and all the all yada yada yada. You wasted all this talent. You can't 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 beat Michigan. Can't beat Michigan. All this good stuff. If he goes zero and two, if he loses to Penn State yeah. and Michigan, Penn State at home too. Oh my God. Well, that's, that's oh my God. It would be hot. That's for what, unreasonable, by the way, I when I say these things about coaches like Ryan Day, I think Ryan Day is a top 10 college football coach. I think that's sure. period, period point blank. We know this, all right? I think that is evident by the way he recruits, by the way he's been able to hire and fix that defensive side of the football, by the way he coaches quarterbacks and offense. He's a top 10 football coach in college football. But Ohio State demands national title appearances, it seems like, as a fan base. So they feel so. goal away from winning one last year. They are. Yeah. So, and he still got heated up last year. Yep. Yeah. Still got heated up. I, I was hesitant. I didn't put Ohio State on just because I think this is a game you can lose. And if you beat Michigan, you write the ship. So it's not – they're not the mo- – they, ha- they, they do need to win on Saturday. Like, it's very important for them to do so. But I don't think it's you have to win. Like, you, you, you really turn down a downward slope if you lose this game. I, I'm saying they have to win because I th- – I, you Before don't today's, no, Michigan. I don't think they'd be Michigan. That's you're fine. more likely to beat Penn State than you are Michigan. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I agree. Correct. I agree with that. One team I put was USC. I have them as well. You I, have you have to be Lincoln Riley has to beat Utah. He has to show that he's not just some guy that can prop up an offensive quarterback and just not feel the defense, or at least that they are a national championship competing team. If you lose two straight games, you're you're on the hot seat in year two already. I said that that USC has to win for the sake of Caleb Williams right now. Mm. Because if you drop, not even for Lincoln Riley, just because if you drop two games in a row and then if Caleb Williams plays a similar way that he did against Notre Dame where he feels like he has to play hero ball, where he's not making great decisions and he kind of puts up a below average type of day from him and they lose again, that's going to hurt Caleb Williams to do that two weeks in a row. People were already kind of wanting to jump ship last week after doing it once against Notre Dame. So then you come in and do it this week against a Utah team. Yeah, people are going to start saying, ooh, I'm not sure some more anymore. I think Lincoln Riley's impervious to a hot seat. I think he is. I mean, they lost to Tulane last year, guys. <laughs> yeah, but that was a bowl game. And that's what that's what people did to him, too. But, it, yeah, it was a bowl game, but his starting quarterback in Heisman Trophy winner was playing. Oh, but he was hurt. 
And that's what I'm saying. We're Lincoln Riley. We just, for like we just choked away this. a college football playoff appearance because he lost to Utah last year in the Big Pac-12 championship. Yeah. Oh, but his defense coordinator sucks. Oh, and it's just and ever and it's just steamrolling of excuses. Just a, a a a constant momentum rolling of excuses for Lincoln Riley. He's unlike any football coach. Yeah. That I know of. That's like this. Now, again, based off our Twitter polling results, the national college football fan over it. Yeah. Done. They think he's boo-boo. Yeah. Um, but athletic directors? They love him. Athletic directors would hire that joker in a minute. Well, it's also like, look at who hired him. Yeah. USC, a program that was basically dead. Mm. Like, if you look at USC 15 years ago, where they are now, they've, they've been revitalized to some degree. Like, people talk about USC in a national sense now. Yeah, the Clay Helton years were a dread Ooh. out there for <laughs> sure. Do um, you want to go ahead and start talking about no, we'll say. We'll I have another one. I've got another team. Who you got? Florida State has to win this weekend because if they don't, then Duke and North Carolina are in the front row seat of the ACC, and both of them control their destiny. Florida State would no longer control Ooh, their own destiny. I didn't even think about this that. This is tasty. I like that. Yep. Who's Duke's won losses to Notre Dame, and that does not count. So, but count. even if it did, they would still have the win over Florida yeah. State, the tiebreaker. They would control their own destiny. Oh, Florida so then State Duke would, not. would have to lose two conference games if that. Yes. Yes. They would, but UNC would only have to lose one. Yes. So they have to Florida beat. State to get they, they have why to beat. Would, Duke. Why would Florida State get uh, in some over type them? of tiebreaker? I would imagine. Yeah. Because um, they don't have divisions in the ACC. They don't have top two teams. Yeah, they don't. They, they don't play either. Um, yeah, the tiebreakers on these divisions are always going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Big Ten is still very, very much so open to this. Um, but I think, based off what I've been hearing, Michigan is going to win the tiebreaker if they end up getting into one. So, there. That's that news. Um, I think Lane Kiffin's got to win this weekend. Yeah. Not because the seat's hot. But, come on, Lane. Come on. Like, you got a top 15 program. You got a t- top 12 program this year. You got an experienced quarterback. Okay? If we're out here losing road games to an Auburn football program, Mm-mm. Not right now, man. You can't you can't continue to do this. All right. Every year you have an inexplicable loss. Your football team was better than them. You just had a, a bad go of it. You lost a football game you shouldn't have. Come on. Just for once. Don't do it. Don't do it. You gotta win. You gotta win this football game, Lane. That's all I'm saying. Is Lane Kiffin hot seat for No, I saw I don't I, another one of these guys. Lane Kiffin would never fire him at Ole Miss. Are you shitting me? Ole Miss football means more legally now than they ever have, ever, yeah. since Arch Manning, all right? That's so, what I'm saying. Is he hot seat proof? Oh, oh, you said proof. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, no, I, I cut you off before we get it. Yeah, he's hot seat proof. Yeah, that's what but I'm saying. But he is not narrative, like, damaging proof. No. no. This, is, this, is, this is the type of football game Lane Kiffin can move out of that second-tier college football coach for me. If you, if you can win 11 games at, at, at Ole Miss in the SEC West, I don't care what Alabama looks like. Don't care what LSU looks like. Don't care if you can win eleven games at Ole Miss legally. I think you're a, a, a year a tier one football coach in my opinion. Yeah, that Oxford's great, but it's not necessarily great for college football players. No, they don't no. necessarily love that place. I think Lane's even been a testament to that. He's very he's been very open about how we are at a very very disadvantage, significant disadvantage in the sense that. Kids don't want to come here. Yeah. They don't want to spend four years here. But when it comes to – I've even hear, heard him talk about when it comes to portal kids, that portal decision is much more based off of business. And they're okay making business decisions coming here. But this is not a glamorous decision. This is a business decision right. coming to Oxford. So didn't want any blowback there. I think that's, that's obvious there. But I, I think he's got to win from a – come on, Lane. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. We got um, any other ones? I've got two more. Come on. I think Clemson has to beat Miami on Saturday. Yep, that's good. Because then I think your is Dabo the guy. I know you say that if you win two natties, you can stay as long as you want. But I think if you lose to Miami, people around that program start really looking around saying, okay, what does our future look like with Dabo Sweeney? Hmm. And do we need to look into other options if we lose this game? All right, the poll finally ended. 675 votes. Uh, 81% think Kyle Whittingham is the better college football coach over Lincoln Riley. That's crazy. So, Kyle Whittingham. I'm, I'm actually oh, kind dude. of impressed with that. I did not think people – I didn't think it was going to be that high. But, again, the, the national narrative on Lincoln has gone – Yeah. Into the chitter. Mm-hmm. You got another one? You yeah, both I got one more. You got one more. Come on. Alabama has to win on Saturday. Just for purposes? Well, I mean, you lose, you're out of the playoff. Correct. You probably – General purpose. You don't – Yeah. Not not as much narrative. I mean, also narrative based because if you lose to Tennessee two years in a row, Ooh. that's like the official. Like, okay, this Alabama program is. Nah, is, that's the good point right there. That's a good point right there. I mean, think about it. Nick Saban never lost to them till last year. Hey, the the chat's getting us fairly. Nor and and this is something that I wouldn't expect from our traditionally Georgia based chat. What's the difference between Kirby Smart punching a locker and Shane Beamer kicking something after that game? One was the national championship. The other was a regular season and game where you had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. And the way that the Kirby Smart story was told about him losing the 2017 national championship game and then him punching a locker, that one just felt more of like a, damn it, bro, we, we were that close. Yeah, like and the, it was the, also used as an example of a coach controlling his emotions. Yeah, <laughs> and he yeah. didn't come back to his off-season presser and was like, Oh, by the way, my hand's hurting because I punched a locker because I care that we yeah. lost to the national the, championship. If I remember correctly, the article by Reese Davis was like he answered all the questions professionally. That's what I'm saying. It was Reese yeah. used it as an example of this was a coach controlling all of his emotions and then letting them out in this one controlled beat of bit of aggression, and then he re-entered his his locker room. Yeah, this was not a, an outburst. Shane Beamer was like reading notes, like, oh, this is why we lost. We lost because of this, this, this. Yeah. Our players didn't do that. And then next week he comes, I was like, oh, by the way, I kicked the locker. I know what will show What do you think him? he kicked? Probably like, Probably like a wall. The what, what I envisioned. You can't was... kick a wall. You don't kick a wall. You kick a water cooler. You kick a table. You kick a chair. You might, if, you might mess around, kick a bench on accident, and that might what get you. That's what I was going to say is, like, you know, like, benches in the locker room, how, like, they're screwed into the ground or whatever. Like, yeah, maybe you kick, like, the metal post underneath. But, and, come on, you can't be that stupid. I'm thinking I'm thinking yeah. water cooler, didn't realize full of water. Just one of my, shattered food. One of my teammates um, in high school, I, I can't remember what happened. I can't remember if I, after practice or a game, he punched a cinder block wall. Mm, yeah. Love it. Yep. Don't have to talk about all the things I've punched in the days, but yeah, we, we had some anger issues back in the Dizay. Let's get into final predictions, shall we, boys? We'll talk about, actually, we talked about Lincoln. There's rumors that Lincoln could follow Caleb Williams to the NFL. I don't even know how you would stage this. How do you stage this? Wait until the number one overall pick is solidified and then go apply for that job? How do you, how do, you do that? Hope that guy gets I mean, fired? How do you do this? The, from what I understand, the rumor is that Lincoln Riley's got, like, people going around the league and, like, feeling out things to see. Because, obviously, like, by, like, week 10, we're going to have a really good idea who the number one pick is. And they kind of see, oh, they're going to move on from their coach as well. Like, if, like, Chicago, they might move on from their coach. So, is it kind of, oh, me and, me and Caleb Williams are a package deal. That's what I, that's what I think it's looking like. I don't know if what it's if true Caleb or not. was like, bro, I don't want this bum-ass coach anymore. <laughs> TFO, bro. This guy sucks. 
had to nah, deal with you for three years. God, God made me come to Norman, Oklahoma, and then dick me around for a pay raise, and then I, <laughs> took me out to L.A., and I had to move from Norman to, Oklahoma, to L.A., which was nice. Don't get me wrong. And now he's trying to leech off my success to get an NFL job. Get this guy away from me. Yeah, I don't like that. Uh, I don't like that either. But he could get an NFL job if he wanted to, I would imagine. For sure. Yeah, I mean, there was a rumor for a while. That he I mean, get for Christ's sake, Cliff Kingsbury got a job just because he knew a guy. <laughs> yeah. And was okay. good offensively. That that was one of the crazier hires I've ever made. Wait, imagined. wasn't Cliff Kingsbury connected to Kyler Murray somehow? Yeah, but it was more of a he's my dream quarterback. But that wasn't that was after he got he was the number one draft pick after that. Um, after he got the job, he got the job because he was this offensive innovation. Um, and Kyler was available. It was nuts. But I mean, like, I guess what he's doing now is like, hey, you know, Chicago, other teams that are looking like they're going to get number one pick, what's the coaching situation looking like then? And then is it once they do pull the trigger on getting fired, you go in and say, hey, look, you're going to get the number one quarterback. I know how to coach him. I got him a Heisman. I've, I've made him a number one pick. Yeah, so. here's why it's a terrible idea. Um Lincoln, I'm not saying it's a good idea. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm just talking about it in general. It's a terrible idea because uh, you kind of got to be good at managing everything, every yeah. aspect of an organization. And Lincoln Riley's proved exactly opposite of that Can't during his college points. career. Um, all right, let's get into our final predict, predict, blah, 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 final predictions. Uh, let's start right off the top, Tennessee, Alabama. Look, it's a nine-and-a-half-point spread right here in Vegas right now, and I don't quite know why. Um Alabama has not proven to me to be able to be any football team by 10 points um, this year. Not dominate. They can win football games, don't get me wrong. They're not out here dominating opponents unless they can find ways to just absolutely put opponents in a box and really make them, you know, turnover prone or make them make mistakes and beat themselves. Uh, Tennessee is a make mistakes, beat yourself football team this year. So I think Alabama wins this football game controls it defensively. I think this is a top three, top four, top five defense in all of college football. They are scary on tape. Uh, Milton and this Tennessee offense has been exactly the opposite of that this year. I did some digging on Tennessee today. was reaching out to my boy, uh, shall be left unnamed, um, because I'm about to give some inside intel on this football program, so I want to rat him out. Um, Jim Harbaugh? No, but the Joe, Milton, the Joe Milton thing at Tennessee is not 100% Joe Milton. Apparently that defense, or that offense, because there's so much stacked bunch stuff, that you're not getting a lot of defined coverage in front of you. Okay, mm -hmm. so let's do this right. All right, so when I have these, I got it, J. Will. When I have these stacked bunches, right? When I got an X and a Z backed up behind each other, and I got off coverage from a corner and maybe a safety here, right? I don't know at the snap whether or not they're playing man coverage or whether or not they're playing zone coverage. So if the concept is a post and a dig, hmm, is correct. That post, okay, whether or not it's cover two, right, cover four, right, if they're playing zone coverage, that skinny might be running to grass, right? If it's man coverage, I just try to beat leverage across the whole time, right? This dig if I'm getting man coverage, we're going to continue to run to leverage. If I get zone coverage when I come out of this dig, I got to sit down now. Okay, all of these different route concepts that Tennessee has built into their system, they have checks with them as the route is being run. Okay, I'm running a dig, I'm running a dig, I'm running, oh, zone coverage, I'm running a curl, right? 
That's why there's never been an answer for this offense because the wide receivers and the quarterback last year were on such good page over and over again. So it's not just been the replacement of Hendon Hooker, okay? It's been the replacement of Jalen Hyatt as well, okay? Brew McCoy not exactly playing to the, to the strengths that we thought he was going to. Dante Thornton not necessarily getting up to speed as a transfer from Oregon well enough. Squirrel White not necessarily being ready for the increased role his, that he needed this year as well. On top of all of that, Joe Milton. What? Didn't Brew McCoy break his ankle? Yes. yes. Okay. Was... So all, all of these different issues going on yeah. um, are leading to what you see, not just mediocre quarterback play but the mediocre quarterback play is still a problem it is still the primary problem but the not being on the same page isn't always Milton's issue which I think for some people especially in the national landscape you look at what's going on in Tennessee right now and you're like god dang dude he's Milton's 15 for 29 for 180 yards every weekend why aren't they sitting the kid they got a five star that they gave eight million dollars NIL money to why isn't Nico playing well the answers are it's not just 100% on the quarterback right now. And I remember, I recall their offensive coordinator having a statement earlier in the year about how it's more process-based. It's more of like the entire engine and the entire machine going on yeah. uh, than it is just Joe Milton. Yeah. I mean, th the way I see this game playing out is that it's going to be – I think there's too much hype coming into it. I think this is a very underwhelming game. Yeah. I think Alabama controls it the entire time. They win by two scores – in like a 24 to 13 victory. I'm thinking like 24, 12. Yeah, like just something where you're like, well, that was boring. Tennessee just never had it. What do you think, J-Will? I was going to say pretty much exactly what you guys were saying, and I thought I was going to have somewhat of an original take. Um, but I did. I actually think this game, I think it'll stay close for a while. I think just because I think both neither one of these Dude, offenses, offenses. Yeah, yeah, I don't think either one of them really have the ability to just at some point in the game just take over, pull away. I think if anything, if it is going to end up being a two-score football game, like you said, it's going to be something of like Alabama has one last like death march drive late in the game to officially put the game out of reach. This, this, is, gonna be the, a, this is going to be a running clock football game. Yeah, it's, this it's is one of those games away. where it's too close to turn off. Yeah, but it's also not like oh my god, who's going to win this game? Like, it's going to look exactly. I think it's going to look exactly like Texas A&M Tennessee last week. Yeah, but but Alabama is going to have the the lead the whole game. Texas A&M Bama. Even. Yeah. Well, sure. no, Texas A&M Tennessee played the same game last week. Okay. It was it was twenty to thirteen. It was ugly. Tennessee won with defense and running the football. Like yeah. whoever wins this football game Saturday will win with defense and and controlling the line of scrimmage and running the football successfully. We all like Alabama to do so. Do we all like Alabama to cover the nine and a half? Mm. Mm, yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna say cover, and I think you're on the side of no. I'm gonna say no. Yeah, you know, like a five point football game. Yeah. All right, Penn State, Ohio State. Let's save this one for last. Let's Duke and Florida <laughs> State right now. Dukey, Florida State. What do y'all got? Is Connor Riley playing? Has Riley that, Leonard, you mean? R Riley Leonard. I don't know why I said Connor Riley. Uh, they said I. I looked Got it up the before. Your mind. I do. I looked it up before the show, and they said that there. Elko says that there's a good chance that he plays on Saturday. Cap. That's a smoke screen. Yeah. So Riley Leonard's not playing. FSU wins. Yeah. It's as simple as that. You can't complete four passes. FSU wins and covers. We yeah. don't know if Johnny Wilson's going to be in this game. He didn't play last week. I think he I might go think, this week. I don't think you need Johnny Wilson to win this game. Mm. Um. I would. I was gonna. If Riley Leonard was playing, I would say that because uh, it's a fourteen point spread right now in FSU's yeah. favor. I would say that Duke covers and they keep it close with Riley Leonard. I don't know that they would necessarily win this football game, but without Riley Leonard, I think this could get 
pretty out of hand. Yeah. yeah. So we all Florida State. Yeah, I think we're all, I'm on Florida State to win. I think Duke might be able to cover just off defense. I mean, it was nine, for 14 points that we said. Yeah, that's what I yeah, saw that's today. Hefty. I would take. That's Duke a lot. That. I would take Duke with the points. Florida State to win the football game. Another football game here that the line's a little bit finicky to me. USC at home favored by seven points over Utah this weekend. Utah still without. I mean, at this point, can we just say Cam Rising is retired? He's not, retired. He's <laughs> he's not going to yeah, play. What's he doing? I don't know. So just living it up. In the Utah. last the last three weeks I've seen from USC, I don't know how you can trust them to win a game, especially against a team that put them in a box twice last look, year. This is how I would look at this game a little bit. Now I know that this was a while ago in the season, but Utah's backup quarterback looked fairly well against a Florida defense that is better than this USC defense. So what is make what has made me to leave to believe that he can't look good against USC's defense? And their run game is really really unique. It and, always has been at Utah. And the blueprint for stopping Caleb Williams has been put on full display. Not only has it been like oh any team can do it, it works now. Mixed saw, coverages and a lot dropping an eight the, at least. You yeah. got it. Dropping seven, dropping at least eight. Um, I would normally. You know, Utah's cost this football team playoffs, like yeah, multiple yes. playoffs at this point. And at, at some point, you would imagine high school or college football players really emotional, should be able to get them up. Like, hey, think about how much. Like, I would just show them clips of how much they've took from them over and over and over again. And I would have my team so fit to just run through a wall and actually be a physical football team. I'm pissed off. Um, does any of what I say just said – is any of that reasonable to believe from a Lincoln Riley? No. Could you imagine? Like, have we ever seen a Lincoln Riley pregame speech? No. No. Have we ever seen one? No. Dude's been coaching football for seven years, eight years, nine years. Oklahoma's We've never seen a pregame speech. Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma teams never had juice uh -uh. unless they had Baker. Uh uh. Like, Baker yeah. was the hype man. After that, it was like, no one's, no one really buys into that. So, so no. this idea, like, I would want to say, oh, no, dude, they're going to play with some emotion. They're going to play with some grit, some no, toughness. Not. Nah. That's all coming from the opposition. Mm -hmm. All the edge coming from the ops. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, are we, We're not all picking Utah, are we? I mean, it... I'm going to say USC closer than the experts think. I think USC has to win, like, a, a last-minute scoring drive. Yeah. So you're going USC? Take the Utes. I'll I'm go, taking the Utes. I'll go Utah just because I, I don't know how you trust what Caleb Boy or what USC has put on the field the last three weeks. All right, last one before we pick the Penn State-Ohio State <laughs> game. And this one isn't supposed to be a close football game, but we're going to pick it against the spread because I think it's intriguing. Uh, Washington State at Oregon. I, this, Oregon's favored by 20 points. This was one of those games when I was looking at the schedule. I was like, ooh, the sneaky game, man. Sneaky, sneaky game for now, Oregon. Now, for the record, if you're sitting at home listening to this segment and you're a gambling man, Stay the hell away from this game. This makes no sense. Yeah. Okay, it's very, very hard. That's why we're picking it. And we're picking it because it's entertaining to me. This idea of 20 points is a yeah. lot. This is either going to be a game where it's like, oh, Oregon came out and beat them by 40, or it's Oregon's down 10 in the fourth and they're trying to claw back. Like, it's, it's, there's no in between that. Hmm. And I, I don't know what I would say. I would say Oregon, just initial reaction. I, I'm not going to pick a spread This is on why that. I'll say that Oregon wins this game handily. Yeah. Because I'm a believer in what we just talked about with Lincoln Riley of Dan Lanning being able to do the opposite for his football team. Yeah. Of, I like that. You got smacked in the face last week. You took a tough loss. You were in a position to win it, but you didn't. So what? Our whole schedule, our whole entire season is still ahead of us, and that starts with playing Washington State and getting another big win and hopping back on the horse and getting the momentum rolling back. So here's my take. Here's my unless it doesn't happen. Okay. Oregon is going to be up 
26, 27 points. They're going to go for it on their own side of the field, on fourth down, just because it's their nature. Going to give up a short field to Wazoo. Wazoo and Cam Ward, going to late cover. That's what I like. All right. Bad beating first. them, huh? Bad beat right. because Dan Lanning's set in tone. I like it. You like it? You want to go right into unless it doesn't happen? Oh, no, we got to pick Ohio State, Penn State. I've already gave my thoughts, gotta, real deep yeah, thoughts in here. Um, I think Ohio State, to me, the, the recipe for disaster has been exposed. Uh, Penn State has an NFL football player at corner, has an NFL football player on the defensive line, has an NFL football player at offensive tackle, has an NFL football player at quarterback, has two NFL football players at the running back position. Penn State is talented enough. I think Ohio State is, is struggling right now in the areas that they need to be struggling in to be vulnerable in this situation. I like Penn State to win this football game on the road. Yeah, this is my unless it doesn't happen. So Penn State beats Ohio State. I think this is the one year where Ohio State doesn't have an explosive offense where it's like, oh, they're just going to throw to wide receivers the whole game and scorch Penn State. Penn State has the ability to put you in a box, and that's what Ohio State does offensively is tries to run the ball. I mean, it's going to be a low-scoring game, I think. Ohio State's defense is very good, but – I, I just I think this has to be the year for James Franklin. I actually had an unless it doesn't happen that Penn State would hold Ohio State under twenty five points. I'm gonna scratch that now. I just kinda got to thinking about this football game. And I feel like we have one of these games every single year with Ohio State that's outside of the Michigan game where we think that they have an, they're going to play an opponent opponent that can make them vulnerable, that can make them do things that they don't want to, and we, we sit here and say, this is a game that Ohio State is going to lose. This is a week where they are vulnerable and they could take an L. But then it seems like Ryan Day and Ohio State always win those football games. It's a tough team. It is a tough team. And also, Ohio State being at home, say what you want about – I think that does matter a little bit, especially in a game like this, because it is Ohio State's biggest home game of the entire year. That crowd's going to be juiced for it. I'm going to lean towards the Ohio State Buckeyes and Ryan Day because Ryan Day has been in these positions before. He understands how to win these football games and get to the postseason every single year. I don't know if I can believe in James Franklin to do that. If I was going to pick Ohio State, that's a logic I'd use. I, I completely agree with what he's saying. I just think that they have to win one at some point. Yeah. And this would make this the year. Stylistically, they are relatively ident identical teams, and I like the quarterback play at Penn State more than I do at Ohio State right now. Yeah. And that's why I'm going with it. Hey, anything else? I've got one more unless it doesn't Come happen. Come on, let's hear it. This is it. Unless it doesn't happen, there is going to be a sign at game day, college game day Saturday. It's going to say verbatim, Jim Harbaugh stole my other sign. Mark it now. I like it. It's going it's to happen. That's You'll really see That's really easy. That's a really good take. I'll give you one. Come on. Jordan Hair magic happens. Ole Miss loses. Uh-oh. Oh, no. I got one for you. This is, this is to the T. Iowa is 103rd in points per game. Minnesota is 105th in points per game. They might have negative points by the end of this game. Iowa and Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> Iowa and Minnesota will score 25 total points, and here's how. They will, they will kick six field goals, and there will be one pick six. Okay, so 18 points off field goals. The lone touchdown in this football game off of a pick six. You heard it here first, unless it doesn't happen. I also have one. Um, Say the date on that. Say it right. Say the date right now. Right now, it is October 19th, 2023. Um, also, Missouri is going to flat out kick the shit out of South Carolina this weekend, and you heard it here first, unless it doesn't happen. I love that Minnesota one. I thought you were going to say I love the idea of Shane Beamer getting his feet just absolutely kicked in. Um, hey, appreciate you for being here. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button on your way out. I love you. 
We'll see y'all Monday. Let's go eat a goddamn snack.